Our scripture uh, for today does come from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 35 through 40. Here are these words. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me and still don't believe. Everyone whom the Father gives you, gives to me, will come to me, and I won't send anyone away who comes to me. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I won't lose anything he has given me, but I will raise us up on the last day. This is my Father's will, that all who see the Son and believe in him will have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was, I was never a big athlete growing up. I was never the most athletic person. I was a solid average kid. I was never the first one picked, but usually not the last one picked. Sometimes the last one picked, but not, not usually, just like right in the middle. They pick three people. It's like, oh, Wilson, I'll take Wilson. He's fine. Um, that was the kind of athlete I was growing up. Um, and when I, after college, when I went hiking um, on the Appalachian Trail, I did not expect to go very fast. I was not in great shape. I hadn't done like a training montage to get ready for it. <laughs> um, I just got on a bus uh, in Austin and, and went, went to Maine. Um, you know, two and a half days later, I got out and started walking south. But so when I started, I was not going very fast and I was not going very far. I was going seven miles a day, 10 miles a day. Um, I was hurting. I had too much on my pack. I was not in shape. I didn't have the right gear. Um, and I didn't have enough food for what I was doing. I was not used to exerting that much energy. Writing a term paper doesn't take the same energy as walking 15 miles a day. <laughs> um, but I, I started to figure things out. I lightened my pack. I, I sent home my guitar. I sent home my books, my extra books. I got a little lighter gear. I got stronger. I started going a little further during the day. I started going 20 to 30 miles a day. I could go as long as I wanted, but I still wasn't getting enough food. Um, it was hard to get enough food. During the early part of my hike, my, my amazing mother would send uh, food drops for me, which I gave her like two weeks' notice that this is, was going to be her job. She, had a, she was like the um, assistant superintendent in Bryan ISD, but then she was also the food drop dispenser of her college graduate son, Wilson, who just decided to go hiking. Um, but she would send these packages to post PO boxes to post office up in New England. So I would come into an, a town in like New Hampshire and, and go to the post office, and there would be a box there that my mom had sent me with dehydrated foods and other things like that that were great. It was really wonderful. I'm, I'm really uh, amazed by her generosity, but it still wasn't enough food. It still wasn't enough food. I was burning between... 4,000 and 6,000 calories a day. It was, it was a lot. It was hard to get that much food. Growing up, my family had, had practiced a balanced diet. They tried to be healthy. My dad was a health teacher. And so he was, we, we tried to have a very colorful, colorful plate growing up. Not to have too many sugars and sweets growing up. We didn't drink too much soda, but it was hard to get enough food. It was hard to find fresh food. So as I started hiking, I started focus on, focusing on this new thing that I invented called caloric density, which you usually don't think about, but it's how many calories per ounce um, is in a food, and you want the most possible. <laughs> um, you're not trying to find the low-calorie foods. Like, what's a high-calorie food? 
So I became an expert at, at seeking out caloric density. I would go into a town. I couldn't carry as much on my back because um, just the weight. But when I went into town, it started in New England, and oftentimes in New England, in, in like rural Massachusetts, there would be a, an Italian pizza place run by a Bulgarian family, often. Um, but, and I would get an 18-inch cheese pizza and a 44-ounce of uh, fruit soda. Because there's more calories in fruit soda and like grape soda and orange soda than in Coke. And so that's what I would get. I get fruit soda, an 18-inch cheese pizza, because cheese pizza usually has more calories because of the cheese. And then I would eat, eat that, and then I would have a pint of peanut butter Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Because again, peanut butter ice cream has more calories than regular ice cream. Um, and so that, that would be a content meal. I would be satisfied <laughs> sitting down to that. Because I, again, I was, I was burning so many calories. I had a different relationship to food when I was hiking than, than I did after I got off the trail. In a survival situation, I would have a completely different relationship to food. I couldn't have that pint of Ben & Jerry's if I was stuck in the wild. My friends, we are continuing our series on, on survival. We are looking at how to survive in the wild, but also how to survive in this broken world with God's grace. We began by, by my first rule of survival, don't panic. That if you're panicking, you can't do anything else. So you have to remember, trust in the Lord. You have to remember that God is with you. You don't need to panic. Next, we kind of follow uh, an old survival adage, which is you can survive three hours without shelter, three days without water, and three weeks without food. We talked about shelter and how we need to find shelter, even if we don't think it sometimes, and how the church can be shelter in this world and how we, we need to be a shelter for, those, for others in this world. Protect them, give them safe space and sanctuary. Then we talked about water and the need of finding water in the wild, but also how the need for finding the living water that is Jesus Christ, and how God, Jesus offers us a spring of living water. That is what grace offers to us, that the source of God the Father is found within us through grace. We don't need to seek it elsewhere. Today we're talking about food. Like I said, the, the adage says, you know, you can survive three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. I don't want you to test it, though. I don't want you to just decide today, like, I'm just going to skip food for three weeks. Um, that's not a, a great plan. If you want to fast, that's a different story, but you usually need to prepare and kind of build up to a three-week fast. But it depends on usually what you're doing. If I was hiking 25 miles a day and I didn't eat for three weeks, I would probably not survive if I was burning that much food. Um, it depends on what you are doing. But food, the way we understand it, is not the number one priority that we need to survive. We can go a little bit without food. Even though some of us may feel like we can't go three hours without food, um, we can. Our bodies are built and able to sustain in that way. But after you get you know, you get some shelter, you get some water, then you can start looking for some food. Our lives cannot be sustained without food. In the scripture I read today, John chapter 6, Jesus offers this wonderful teaching to his disciples. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. That thirst, he speaks of, connects to the, the living water we talked about last week that Jesus offers us, the spring that does not run dry, that we have to keep going back to again and again and again, but the one that Jesus offers to each of us, the hunger that Jesus speaks of, is talking about what we absolutely desire. What do you desire in this 
world? What do you long for in this world? What do you yearn for in this world? And in many languages that I've encountered, hunger is, is a metaphor for desire. What are you hungry for? What do you yearn for? They're all connected. In the medieval world, the sin of gluttony was, was a desire that could not be satisfied, whether it be often a desire for food or for other objects in this world, a desire for something that cannot find satisfaction. There's never enough. There's never enough. And yet the reality of food, as I talked about with the kids, is you have one meal, and then a few hours later, you're hungry again. Or you have one meal, and 30 minutes later, you're hungry again. You're going to be hungry again. It doesn't matter if you're burning 6,000 calories a day or 600 calories a day. You're going to be hungry again. In this fallen world, you cannot finally defeat hunger. And yet still, there are good foods for you, the nice bell pepper, and not so good foods for you, the little mini Snickers bar. Foods that may delight your mouth, but could destroy your body if you have too much of them. There's a lot of focus in this world about good foods and bad foods. There's, there's, it's easy to find. If you, you know, if you do a Google search for good foods, it's going to give you like a ton of articles that are like way off base, but often saying like, you know what's the worst food in the world? Tomatoes. They're horrible. Um, or it's like really weird advice in the internet. It's, it's crazy out there. But most of us understand intuitively, like, what are some foods that are better for us? Like the kids. I think, you know, it's easy to understand that, you know, I should probably eat a vegetable. I should probably not eat too much candy. That is, it's not, it's not hard to think about it. It's, it's easier, it's intuitive to think that I should drink more water and less soda. They may not taste the same to you, but they're better for your body. It's important to have a balanced and healthy idea of what you eat, to have a healthy relationship with your body, to remember that you are created by God. Your body is lovely and beautiful and your body matters. Your body is a temple, as the scriptures says, and what you eat in your body matters. It's not the most important thing in the world, but it matters. It should be taken with thought and care. However, there are ways that the body can turn into an idol. And this happens a lot. We have to be on guard of turning our bodies into idols to worship and care for our bodies as if it was a different God. In, in the prophet Isaiah, there's a description of the Messiah that I think is so important for us to remember. It describes the Messiah as someone who is not of handsome appearance. The Messiah is not someone who you would notice in a crowd and be like, look at that guy. Um, it is someone who you would not notice. It is not, the, the Messiah is not somebody who can do a ton of squats or do a huge bench press or is like really awesome on the basketball court or something like that. That's not what, what God is sending as the anointed one. The Messiah is someone who you only notice because of God's presence. His power is not in those things, not in the things of the world, not in the things of appearance, but in the Lord God Almighty. Our power, your power, is not in your body. It's not in what you can do. It's not in what you used to be able to do or what you will do someday. Your power is in the Lord God Almighty. When we come back to food, when we think about not the foods we eat, we shouldn't just think about the physical foods, but the spiritual foods, the foods that we hunger for in life. 
Not just to think about the foods that we're hungry for right now, thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch right now, how long the preacher is going to talk so I can go get an early lunch right now, but the spiritual foods, what you long for in this world. The foods that give you meaning. The desires that give you meaning. The purpose that you're looking for in this world. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's offering us a way to satisfy our spiritual hunger that cannot be found elsewhere. We cannot find it elsewhere. If we do not see it in Jesus, though, we are going to look for it elsewhere. We are going to try to satisfy ourselves and our souls elsewhere. We're going to try to satisfy ourselves in all manner of things. We're going to be looking for something to give us purpose in this world apart from Jesus. And that may be our bodies. That may be physical fitness. That may be politics. That may be our sports teams. That may be our neighborhood. But ultimately, these things will not satisfy. And we will be hungry. Again, we will be hungry for purpose. Again, we will be hungry for meaning. Again, we will not survive if we do not seek the bread of life. Now, now when I was hiking, I could eat pretty much anything I wanted, and there weren't many consequences. I could have two to six Snicker bars a day, um, and there weren't a lot of consequences because I was going through so many calories. I was exercising like crazy. Yet there are still consequences to our diets that are pretty obvious. A big turkey dinner is not going to make you energetic in the afternoon. You're probably going to have to have to close your eyes a little bit. You don't want to be operating heavy equipment on Thanksgiving afternoon. There are going to be consequences to your spiritual foods as well, to how we spend our time. But sometimes the, the consequences to the spiritual foods we seek are not as obvious as that uh, tryptophan-induced nap on Thanksgiving afternoon. If you're in a survival situation, bad food can knock you out really quickly. You don't want to try and eat a random berry. You don't know what it is. You definitely don't want to try to eat a mushroom if you don't know what it is. Even if, you tra- if you're like really skilled and you trap some game, you trap a squirrel or you, tra- or you shoot a deer, you want to make sure it's healthy because there's a lot of sicknesses that can happen. You want to make sure you field dress it quickly uh, so that the rot can't get there. Fish are, fish are pretty good. Fish are safer, but there can still be bad fish that can knock you out fast, that can give you consequences. Yet when we're starving, we may not be thinking about those consequences. Each of us, in our own way, when, when we are spiritually starving, we often don't think about the consequences of our actions. But our God is a God of truth. My brothers and sisters, there is grace this day. Christ has offered you the bread of life this day. We're going to share at the table of our Lord this day. That doesn't mean everything else in your life is useless. But in fact, even more so, the bread of life gives purpose and meaning to how you spend your time, to what you do in your life, the rest of the things you do. We should see the bread of life at communion as where Christ is present. But this is not the only place where Christ is present. Christ calls us and says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. But, but God doesn't just call us to come to him and stay there forever. It's like in the transfiguration right before, before Holy Week, 
before Lent, when, when Jesus goes to the top of the mountain with, with Peter and James, and, and they have this amazing vision. And Peter is so excited. He wants to stay there forever. He wants to build a house there. And Jesus is like, no, we've got to go back down the mountain. We've got to go back through the valley. When God calls us, when Christ calls us to the bread of life, Christ is not calling us to finish our journey, but to begin it again, to eat of the bread of life and then go into the world and share the love and peace and satisfaction that comes from Christ's offering for us. The bread of life is found in worship and service and prayer and scripture itself. Jesus is in the scriptures in a way that satisfies when we seek God, when we take the time to seek God in a way that satisfies. It gives purpose and meaning to your life, to your family, to your body, to your job, to your hobbies. All those are made full in Christ. They're not lessened. Christ is not competing with your time. Following Jesus is not just another hobby. Christ is the Lord of all creation who is redeeming your time, redeeming your life. You are loved and already forgiven. What it takes to receive this love is to step forward into Christ's new life. You don't have to do the things you used to do. You don't have to eat the things you used to do. You don't have to follow the the spiritual desires you used to. You are free. You are worthy. You are free to be satisfied in God's love for you this day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your food that takes away our hunger. We admit, O Lord, that we are restless unless we rest in you. Help us to find your rest this day. Help us to share your rest with those around us who are restless or wandering, who are lost and seeking but do not even know it. Help us to be witnesses to your grace and your peace and your truth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.